Lord a new song tonight. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Somebody sing unto the Lord a new song tonight. Come on. Sing unto the Lord a new song. We need your glory, Lord. Somebody sing unto the Lord a new song. your glory.
your heart, people of God. Lift your voice. Tell him to see you. I hope that everyone can hear me clearly. Good morning. Um, how are we all doing this morning? Please let me know if you can hear me clearly so that we can start. Praise God. It's good to see everyone this morning. I know how much of a demand it is to be up at this time you know some of us have not even ended the previous day and we had to get up for this but i trust god very well today that you know it will be refreshing amen all right thank god that you can hear me 
Father, we thank you for this beautiful blessing of a new day. We thank you for the dawning of this day. We thank you for how you have been kind enough, kind enough to bring us, to bring us. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Lord, we thank you. We declare blessed be your name, our Father. Thank you for the things that you do to draw us to yourself. Thank you, Lord, because you have drawn us near and no one can take us out of your hands. Jesus, we thank you. We declare blessed be the name of our God who makes all things well. This morning, as we begin the day studying and preparing, we ask, Lord, that you would guide us into all truth by your spirit in the name of Jesus. That our gathering will not be in vain in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Is the volume better now? I tried to get it to be better as much as I can. Um, is the volume better? Okay. Thank you. So this morning I'm going to be starting or continuing in the exposition of the book. Um, the Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. And we're going to be looking at the chapter 2 today. Um, I hope we're reading the book and not just listening to what I'm sharing from the book. Please do well to read, study the book as we go on. I love today's chapter in particular because it is one of the topics in the pursuit that I believe that we should cover before the end of the stretch and the, the the topic or the title of the second chapter of that book is the blessedness of possessing nothing the blessedness of possessing nothing all right and the anchor scripture there is matthew chapter 5 if there's anyone who can help with putting up those scriptures in the chat as we go matthew 5 verse 3 says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Um, many of us know that scripture. We know that it's from the Beatitudes where Jesus was teaching and, you know, he was telling them the blessedness of different things. The blessedness of being peacemakers. The blessedness of being meek. The blessedness of being thirsty and hungry for righteousness. All right. But today in particular... The blessedness of possessing nothing. And A.W. Tozer presents an argument that I would like to share on this morning. He says, before the Lord made man upon the earth, before the Lord God made man upon the earth, 
he first prepared for him by creating a world of useful and pleasant things for his sustenance and delight. Let's take a pause. Now, the first thing that Toza is trying to point us to here is that it brings us to understand that God prepared for us. Joy, God prepared for you. He didn't just create you and throw you here randomly to do whatever comes your way or to, you know, fend for yourself. Before he created man, he had created so many things. He had done everything to make that man's stay or existence on the earth will be, you know, what's the word now? Will be available. All right. Now, so Toza is saying that before the Lord God made man upon the earth, he first prepared for him. So he didn't first prepare the man, he prepared for the man by creating a world of useful and pleasant things. What were the things that God created in the earth? The, the, the firmaments, the waters, the lights, the animals, the herbs, the plants, and all of those things. All right. And he, the Bible says that God created those pleasant and useful things. Or rather, sorry, Toza says that, you know, he created those useful and pleasant things for the sustenance and the delight of man. Now go listen to what Toza says in continuation. He says, in the Genesis account of the creation, these are simply called things. In quote, they are things at their best performance, at their best ability. These are just things. And he goes on to say that these things were made for man's uses, but they were meant always to be external to the man and to be subservient to him. What does that mean? It means that they were made for man to use, not for the things to use the man. They were meant to always be external. They were not supposed to define the man from within. They were meant to be external to the man and subservient, meaning they were supposed to serve the man. All right? And then, now goes on to say, in the deep heart of the man was a shrine where none but God. In the deep heart of man is a shrine where no one but God was worthy to come. Within him was God, without a thousand gifts with which God had showered upon him. But sin had introduced complications and made those very gifts of God a potential source of ruin to the soul. Our woes began when God was forced out of his central shrine and things were allowed to enter. Within the nature, within the human heart, things have taken over. Men have now by nature no peace within their hearts, for God is crowned there no longer. But there, in the moral dusk, stubborn and aggressive usurpers fight among themselves for first place on the throne. Now, what is Toza saying? He is saying that the things that were meant to serve man, that were meant to be only external to you and I as believers and as children of God, have now become the very things that we live for. So we define our lives by what we have or what we don't have. The Bible talks about how that, you know, 
the, the, the weight of a man is not in the things that he possesses. A man's life does not consist of the things that he, he possesses. That's what the Bible says. Luke chapter 12 from verse 15 to 17. If you can put up that scripture, please. Luke 12, NKJV, please. Luke 12, 15 to 17. So this idea of making things an idol was not the initial intention of God. God wanted us to use things. And that's the reason why before we came, he created things. So Timisan, things are not the enemy. Things are not even demonic like we, we have been taught in many places. Things of this world, money, position, power, all of those things, riches and resources, they are not demonic, they are not devilish, they are not against God, because if they were, before we came, God would have created nothing for us to, to use. But the problem is not the existence of things, it is where we have now placed those things. The problem is the fact that the shrine in our hearts, the sacred parts of our hearts, or the crevice of our hearts that is supposed to only be for God is now filled with things. Titi, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you? It's now filled with things. I mean, it is filled with the desire for things. It is filled with the fear of the loss of things. Are we together? It is filled with the desire to have more and more of things. It is filled with the desire to have even the things that others have. And that sacred place initially was created to house, harbor God. And what God is saying in the pursuit is that he wants his place back. What things have overcome or overtaken the throne of God. Listen to what he says. Toza says, Stubborn and aggressive usurpers fight among themselves for first place on the throne. So position is fighting. Career is fighting. Financial stability is fighting to be number one on the throne. And the problem about thrones, joy, whether we like it or not, is that whatever is on the throne must be served. Are we together? Whatever is on the throne must be worshipped. So if you checked the throne of your heart, what is there? And worship is not a song. Worship is not you having to go to church. Worship is what you spend your life thinking upon, giving your time to, giving your energy to, giving your focus and devotion to. Toza argues that aggressive usurpers are fighting. It's not their place in the first place, but they are fighting. Please, I asked for us to please put up Luke 12, 15 to 17, please. Luke 12, 15 to 17. So, what is fighting for the attention in my heart? What has taken that place that has made pursuing after God become second place? For many of us, the pursuit was lost 
when we started to pursue other things. There is no man who is not on one pursuit or the other. Everyone is pursuing something. Everyone is on a quest to achieve something. But at what expense? At what expense? Luke 12. Let's read it from verse 13. The Bible says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Sister Joker, so when the Lord takes your life and he weighs it on his own scale, the things you possess don't even make it to the scale. Are you following me? The things you possess, God does not include it in your real weight. The earthly things we possess, the things we have fought for the most. And that is not to say that those things are useless or they are demonic. Remember that I said that if they were, God would not have created things even before we showed up. God understands and knows the need for things in the life of man. So before man showed up, God created things. But those things were not created to take God's place in the heart of man. So Jesus was teaching them and he said to them, Take heed, beware of covetousness. Why? Why is he warning them about covetousness? He didn't even say because I don't want you to go to hell. Pastor Shem, hell was not even the problem with covetousness. The problem with covetousness is that he was telling them that in the grand scheme of things, it does not matter what you have or what you don't have. Ife, I know the things that you would want as a young woman. But you must fight to ensure that they don't take the place of the one who is truly king over you. And you know, when we hear things like covetousness, it is very easy for us to say, oh, I'm not covetous. But if we drill down altogether, are you really content with where you are, what you have, what God has blessed you with? If, if God were to do nothing else tonight, tomorrow, for the next one year, are you content? Would you praise him and acknowledge his presence in your life? Or are you the kind who, when things are not happening, it's easy to say, oh, nothing is happening in my life. God is not kind to me. So, Coco, when, when Jesus warns about covetousness, hell was not the reason for the warning. He said one's life does not consist. What Jesus was teaching is as far as heaven and eternal things are concerned, we don't count the things you possess as part of your life. Because your life is supposed to exist with or without them. Because your true life, as we read in Colossians chapter 3, 
He says, when Christ appears, you shall appear with him. Your real life is within. Amen. So he goes on and he says that one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. NIV says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Then he spoke a parable saying to them, listen, the ground of a rich man, certain rich man yielded plentifully and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? We're going somewhere this morning. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. He calculated that with the number of things that we have kept, we are sufficient. We, we have all we need for the next few years. He says, take your ease. Eat, drink, be merry. He says, and he says, we have what we need for the next few years. He had done a strategy, a calculation, an Excel spreadsheet that brought him comfort. Then the Bible says, but God said to him, for this night, your soul will be required of you. Listen to what he said. Jesus said that God said, then Whose will these things be which you have provided? And he said, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What was Jesus teaching them? He said, A man's life does not consist in the things that he possesses. So this guy saw that his barns were full. He had all that he needed. Thank you, Shubi. He had all, everything that he needed, as it were. And he had projected ahead and said, everything that I need for the next couple of years, I have. I don't need to do anything again. That is the danger with earthly pursuit. It has boundaries. It's not continual. For example, if all your goal in life is to just become what? What, 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 what do people aspire to become? Branch manager. For example, let's say for a banker, the day you become branch manager, you have told yourself that this is all that there is to you. And the danger is that even if you begin another quest to become regional manager, it will still end one day and you will keep continuing and continuing. It is insatiable. But this guy got to a point where he was like, you know what, we need to chill. We have arrived at a point. But you see, God is so inexhaustible that as you continue to pursue, you will find more and more and more and you will continue in Him. It is not that God does not want you to be ambitious. He doesn't want you to do well. In fact, there is nobody that God wants to do well in the earth more than you. I will that thou mayest prosper even as your soul prospereth. But the soul is important to God, brothers and sisters. The soul, if it, how well your soul is fed, full, fat with the things of God. The, the scripture in Colossians that I quoted is Colossians chapter 3. It's in MSG. Let me read it for you. Colossians chapter 3. I'll read it for you. I believe you're talking about what I quoted a, a couple minutes ago. 
listen it says so if you are, we read this i think it was on the first day of stretch it says so if you are serious about living this new resurrection life with christ act like it pursue the things over which christ presides don't shuffle along eyes to the ground absorbed with the things right in front of you look up be alert to what is going on around christ that's where the action is see things from his perspective verse 3 your old life is dead your new life which is your real life even though it is invisible to spectators is with christ in god then he says he is your life when christ your real life remember shows up again on this earth he said you too will show up the real you the glorious you meanwhile be content with obscurity like christ is that fine coco all right so jesus said that that night god said to that guy you think you know it all he said to him you fool your soul will be required of you. The problem is not that God could take the soul. The problem, Tosin, is that he now said, you will now see whose all these things that you have gathered will become. It means that uh, 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 no matter what I have gathered, joy, no matter what I have, if God the owner of my soul, the giver of breath and of life, decides to take it away. I wasted my time pursuing everything else. And you know, the, the beauty of the earth is that everything a man possesses, the moment he dies, people cry for two days and the week after, he dies and they bury him on Friday. On Saturday, they act like they're still sad. On Sunday, they do Thanksgiving in church. By Monday, they are calling the lawyer, let's share this thing. If God demands the soul, the seat of all of all existence, what shall the man do who has amassed all? He said, tonight your, your soul will be required of you. And we will now see, that's what Jesus said, we will now see whose all these things you have gathered will become. And he ended it by saying what? What did he say? He said, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You can be rich on the earth, have everything, but if you are not rich in the things of God, it's a waste of time. And let me tell you something. Tutu, your soul is too important to God. How do I know? The Bible says, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world, Right? and lose his own soul what that means is that god put on his scale the whole world on one side and put your soul on the other side and on god's scale your soul you your soul weighs more to god than the whole world that's the reason why he could die for you because you are that important to him Temisa, the soul of a man that's why we preach, we teach continually, morning, night, afternoon, with all, convenient or not. Because in God's scheme of things, the soul is more important than anything. 
what shall it profit a man to gain the world so to god my soul is more important than the weight and the possessions in the whole world that's the reason why pastor Shion, every time we win a soul there is celebration rejoicing in heaven i'm sorry but when we bought a car there was no rejoicing in heaven because anybody can buy a car you don't need god to buy a car sounds erroneous but it's true because people who don't care nothing for God have probably the best cars you will see. You don't need God to build a house. A lot of people don't even need God to get married. But when it comes to matters of the soul, there are things that money cannot buy. Peace of mind, money cannot buy it. So this morning, what is A.W. Toza telling us? He's saying, do not let your heart be clouded by things. And don't forget, I've been emphasizing it all morning. That it is not that things are not important. If you like, go to your job today, this Monday morning, and tell them, I'm not concerned about things, just my soul. They will sack you. Sweet and fine. It is not that things are not important. But they were never meant to take the seat that throne that God built inside you, they were never meant to replace him. And Toza was clear in the chapter 2 of this book to tell us, Miriam, he said to us that if he, he I'm paraphrasing him now, that if things were not important, Toza started chapter 2 by telling us that before God made man on the earth, he first prepared for him by creating a world of useful and pleasant things for his sustenance and delight. So your job, sustenance, marriage, sustenance and delight, money, sustenance and delight. But those things in the Genesis account of creation, Toza argues that they are called simply things. There's nothing more to them. They're just things. He says they were made for man's uses. So what, what is God trying to say to you and I to this morning in our pursuit? Pursue God much more than things. A new job is important, but pursue God. And not just pursuing God for things. And that's where I'll, I'll try to tie it together. We're not just pursuing God for things. What we are pursuing God for, what we're pursuing God for is himself. Because where God dwells on the inside of you, Ike, you will go anywhere and you will always excel. The Bible says that those that know their God, the first thing about them is not the exploits that they do, is that they will first of all be strong. You, you will be strong. One thing that strength does is that it brings ability you will be strong and you will now do exploits. It is almost impossible to do exploits without strength. You know why? Exploits are not day-to-day -day things that you just see randomly. Joy, when we're talking exploits, we're talking about things that when you see it as an idea, people are wondering where is your thinking coming from? Exploits. You must be strong in the things of God. Not just seeking God for things, but seeking Him for Him. 
everything comes from him. And if there's anything I want to bring our consciousness to today, as you go about your day, can you shut down things and just look for him? Just look to know his nature. Look to know his persona. Look to know his purpose. What, what really burns in the heart of this God? And then your pursuit can make sense. I hear preachers say a lot of interesting things. I've heard people say, we have never, Pastor Chingdok will always say that he has never, since he got married, prayed for the needs of their family. It is not a boastful statement. It's just an order. Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm going to read the latter part of that Luke 12 and then we'll close. Are we blessed this morning? Don't forget your soul is powerful, is important to God. It's ways, it's of value to God. Don't commonize yourself. Don't take yourself for granted because God does not take you for granted. To God, you are much more than the whole world. Luke 12. Much more. So, he says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He didn't say, So is he who lays up treasure for himself, meaning that everybody who lays up treasure for themselves, they are destroyed. They are going to be destroyed. No, he said, So is he who lays up treasure and is not rich toward God. He was saying you cannot lay up treasure for yourself and not be rich toward God. It's a waste of time and endeavor. So he goes on to say, and I'm going to read this as we close. Then he said to his disciples, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. This is one of the scriptures that people don't like to hear. Because you say, pastor, how can you say that? I should not worry. Where will my rent? I've had people say, will you pay my bills? You know, we reached out to somebody in church. You say, oh, we've not been seeing you, blah, blah, blah. And the person say, oh, I take shift on Sunday. Blah, blah. I'm like, ah, okay, try to come. And the person say, will you pay my bills? To be honest, when you hear a question like that, even you, you have to shut up. But it's not the words of the pastor. It's the words of Jesus. And that's why you must know him, so that you will not think your pastor is just whining you or encouraging you. This is Jesus speaking. He said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. He didn't say be careless. What he was saying is don't worry. He wasn't saying be careless about your life. He was saying don't worry. Worry is a, is a destroyer. He says don't worry about what you will eat. nor about the body what you will put on. He said life is more than food. I need to tell some of you that this morning. That life is more than food. Life is more than food. And the body is more than clothing. He said, consider the ravens. Let me tell you why some of us struggle with believing some of these verses of scripture. Tosin, when you read a verse like this, consider the ravens. Don't just go past it. Okay, ravens eh, is a bird. No. Go and research. Because that's what he told you to do, Joy. 
Do you understand that? Coco, when he said consider the ravens, he wasn't expecting you to just read it. He gave an instruction there. But how many of us have ever read that scripture and actually went to consider the ravens? What does it mean to consider? To ponder on, give thought to. But we've never really put it to practice. Timson, do you understand that? We, we've never. We just read it. Consider the ravens. You can't consider by reading. No. By just reading it. Consider the ravens. And you think, no, you have not considered. He said, consider the ravens. He says, they neither sow nor reap. They don't have storehouse. They don't have any barn. And he said, and God feeds them. Of, you know, biologists will tell you that it's, um, what's that thing called? Food chain. Blah, 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 blah. I wish it was. And it's, that's true. That's what they have studied. But someone put that food chain in place. I hope you know. A big bank could not have put that kind of order in place. It's not possible. Praise the Lord. So he says, of how much more have, of, of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? This was a big shade being thrown at it. He said, if you worry from now to next tomorrow, go and check your height. It added nothing to you. And that's why he said, don't worry. He wasn't saying don't worry because there's no issue or because there's no problem or there's no cause for alarm. He was saying it yields no result. The reason many of us are angry when we hear do not worry is because we've not thought it deep enough. That do not worry is not, is not like an insult where they are saying, ah, why are you worried? No, no, no. Do not worry that Jesus was saying. He told you why he said it. It's because it, don't add anything. it doesn't add anything to you. It doesn't help you. It yields no result. So he said, no, which of you can add one cubit to his stature by worrying? Then he now said, listen, and this is my last charge to you this morning, Miriam. If I, listen to what Jesus said. He said, if you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Do you know what that means? If you are not able to order how the ravens eat, then why are you worried about the rest? If you are not able to add one cubit to your life by worrying, what then do you think worrying can do for you when you are worried about this or that or that or this? And he said, consider, he gave you an instruction again. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. What was he saying? Solomon was a rich king. He knew how to purchase the best of the best from the best of the best. But he was saying that with all of Solomon's money and ability, he could not make the lilies, he could not look better than a plant that God was designing and dressing every day. He said Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If you have ever seen what a king looked like in that day, you will understand why Jesus referred to Solomon of all people. Then he said, if, if then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field 
and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more would he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you, you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. Listen to this part. Titi, he said, and your, he says, the nations are looking for these things. He says, and your father knows that you need these things. Many people have taught you that, oh, don't worry about these things. They are carnal things. No. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, okay, he said, your father in heaven knows that you need it. So it is not wrong that you have needs. Don't let anybody lie to you. Jesus said, your father knows that you need these things. Then he said, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Can we pray here? I want you to lift up your hands where you are and ask the Lord, deliver me from an anxious mind. I am worth more than the ravens. So if you can feed the ravens, if you can clothe the lilies, then I am sure. I rest assured in you that you have me covered. So therefore, I will not replace your throne with the desire for things. You will continually have your throne in my heart. Lord, you will deliver me from covetousness. You will deliver me from an anxious mind. Some of us, the reason we like to amass and amass is because we grew up in need and in lack. So we are so afraid of losing things. So we just keep gathering and gathering. But the Lord is able to keep what he provided. So ask the Lord today to help you. That I would not be too locked into things. The Lord, you will help me. You will help me, Jesus. You will help me to keep your word. In my heart you will help me to keep your throne in my heart that nothing will contend with you there's a song that says i'm gonna find it for you the title of that song is to keep your lovely face and if you can find it, find it, Timson, you can please help us send it, or Tosin rather, you can send it to the group. It's by um, Bob Fitz, to keep your lovely face. Just listen to it as you go about your day. It says, to keep your lovely face ever before my eyes. This is my prayer. Make it my strong desire that in my secret heart, no other love competes, no rival throne survives, and I serve only you. Lord Jesus, you will help us. For everyone who is anxious about tomorrow, what they will eat, what they will drink. You know, earlier I used rent as an example. And I got a check in my spirit that there's someone who is actually worried about their next rent. Lord Jesus, I pray for them this morning that you will surprise them. You will supply their need. We read in the scriptures, it's not my word. It's your son Jesus who told us that you know that we have need of these things. Lord, I ask that you will meet everyone at the point of our need in the name of Jesus. Lord, please help us. We desire to pursue you wholeheartedly, but there are so many things competing for our attention. So Lord Jesus, help us. 
that we may be able to keep our eyes on you. We bless you, our Father. We love you, Lord. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone says, Amen. Good morning, everyone. Hope you had a great time. Are you blessed this morning? I know some of you are on your way to work. And the Lord will go with you and keep you in your going out and your coming in. You'll have a fruitful day. You'll have strength to overcome every demand that comes your way. In the name of Jesus. The Lord bless you. Have an amazing week. And it's a new week. May the Lord keep you. In Jesus' name. Love you dearly. And I cannot wait to see what God will do with they that pursue. In Jesus' name. Amen.